0: Welcome to Rainer's Radio, practical training for joint heirs with Christ, with your host, Diane Thomas. Good evening, and welcome to Rainer's Radio. This is Diane Thomas, your host. Let's just take a moment and relax. Anything else that's going on, just let it fall by the wayside. It's not something you need to really put effort into, but just relax and make yourself available to God. Remind yourself that you are a spirit being. If you've been born again, you've been reborn in your spirit. And that spirit is one with God right now. It's not something you need to strive for or measure up to or make changes to become worthy of being one with him. It's something he did in your spirit. He re-spirited you. He, He resurrected you. When Christ was resurrected, we were in him, and we were resurrected. Now we try to understand things with our limited brain. And if there's, and we all have these areas, if there's areas in your life where you struggle with trying to please him or be good enough for him or someone else, that's unfortunately what our flesh has done with our trying to cope without the living God, because none of us were born in God. Only Adam and Eve and Christ himself. Everybody else has struggled with how to have a relationship with God. And when we think about how holy and righteous and powerful and Wise and all these good things that God is, we feel like we just can't be in His presence. Compared to who He is, we are nothing. That's very often how we feel about ourselves. The problem is is that's not the truth, because God has said, you are. A joint heir with his son. You are a co-inheritor. If we've been born again, if you've been born again, he he puts you into his family, into himself. You are in him. Now we could go and expand our conversation and talk about how even those who aren't born again are still in him because there's no out of him. There's no out, there's no escaping God. There's no outies and innies. We're all in him. What we're talking about is relationship and state of being. If you've been born again, you have all the eternal life you're ever going to get. And your spirit already has, you know, we, we run through the, the fruit, the product, the evidence of being a spirit being. You know, love, joy, peace, gentleness, all these wonderful things we all want. You know, wouldn't that be great if we could live there? Well, in your spirit, you are. In your spirit, you already have and are partaking of and sharing every fruit, every character, every aspect of the nature of God. And we, you and I, are to be first partakers of that fruit, of that joy, of that comfort, that peace, that gentleness, that kindness, the mercy, all the wisdom, everything that, that God's nature is. We are to partake of that. Also, his righteousness, his wisdom, his justice, we are to partake of that as well. And we have a, we've talked about this many times, we have this idea that if we're in God, you know, we 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 call it in his will, the perfect will of God, well, he doesn't have different kinds of wills.
1: He is
0: what he is. When we talk about you know how he describes himself. I am. There's no shadow there. There's no turning. There's there's no. Okay. Well, in this situation, I'm this. In in this circumstance, I'm this. It's like no. I am. He he is what he is.
1: He is who
0: he is. And the same way with us. When we, when we begin to see and experience the difference between. Being a spirit and having a soul, we start being much more objective, unemotional, uninvested in what our soul and even our body is going through. It's not that we don't experience everything that that our soul is experiencing and our body is experiencing. We don't disconnect. We don't become, you know, emotionless or um, disconnected from people, for instance. Instead, we see that objectively what the circumstances that we're going through, the, that there's a purpose, that it's not just random, that God has said there's things that... I need to work out that are in you, that I need to work out. And this is the way I choose to do it. And in our spirit, we have already given our consent. We've already said, go for it. You know, God, you do whatever you need to do. I trust you. I love you. I know that what you're going to do in me will be worth it. Spare not for my crying. Spare not for my complaining. Do what you need to do to bring my soul into alignment with my spirit. Because think, as he restores our soul, our mind, our will, our chooser, our emotions, our feeler, the more he restores our soul to our spirit, the life, the eternal life that's in our spirit now, where does that flow? Where does it flow first? It flows into our soul. It doesn't skip our soul and go to our body. It doesn't skip our soul and our body and go to the world. It goes first to our soul and saturates our soul. That our soul can experience eternal life. Your soul was meant and created to experience eternal life through your spirit. Your soul was meant to receive eternal life. All the character of God flowing into your soul. Now, in your spirit, your spirit is part of the source, the life source of the character, the, the holiness, the righteousness, the, the justice. Every aspect of God's character, is, that's true of your spirit as well. Not, that's not true of your soul. Your soul receives and contains. It's the vessel. It contains and receives and is a conduit to that character in nature. But your spirit is that character in nature. So your spirit is working with God's spirit to make your soul able to receive everything it wants to give, everything your spirit wants to give, everything God wants to give, all the eternal life. Because, again, what is God? Who is God? What is his character his nature god is love how does he show that love he gives it's not that he he doesn't demand he doesn't demand a certain behavior or a certain change or a certain you know qualification you have to believe you know it be in the right have the right doctrine, believe the right things, belong to the right church. No, none of that. Because he's not, it's not about what we can give him, what we can bring him. We've already brought everything we have, everything we are. Because he gave it to us first in our spirit. We're now one with him. We don't need to worry about satisfying a requirement we don't need to fill out a form or take a test and and get a good enough score in our doctrine okay i've you know i've just got one point shy i'm gonna have to retake this test because i'm one point shy in in the theological department no that's not god that's not how god does things he looks at things things one thing and one thing only are you reborn spiritually. And you know what? He doesn't even have to look at it. Because you're either in him because you have a living spirit or you don't have a living spirit. And then you are unable to receive spirit. Again, you're, we're still always in him. There's no way we can escape him. The angels, the demons, the ghosts, the aliens, planets, the time, space—you know, any you know any aspect or character or qual- you know concept—it's all in him. That's all in the spirit. Our soul receives what our spirit is, and like I say, then then we can deal with the body which is actually fairly easy to receive from the spirit which has received from 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 the soul which has received from the spirit we can say the body just follows along it's the easiest to convert if you will because because the body you know we our body wants what it wants you know when we're tired it wants to rest when it's hungry it wants to eat it's very specific and, and, you know, clear about what will satisfy it. Not so the soul. The soul is very complicated. It's, and it's so complicated, it creates its own puzzle. It creates its own maze to protect itself. Now, God knows that. God gave you the soul he wanted you to have, and he gave you the circumstances he wanted you to have for his purposes. Now his purposes are for us. He's not out to to trick us. But his, and his purpose is not so, okay, now you can work for him. Now you now he can use you to show off his, you know, how great he is. No. He is all about you. He's all about me. He is so big, he can spend all his time arranging the circumstances in your life. Well, so we complain, well, why doesn't he just fix this? Because he's using that to fix you. You know, we get into these situations, we go, well, why God doesn't God just, you know, if he was who he said he was, if he loved me, he would take care of this situation. He wouldn't have let me lose my job, for instance. Or there's a health issue. We've talked about usually there's those three areas that, that God puts his finger on in our lives to get our attention. Finances, relationship, and health. And, and if something's going on in your life and it keeps on coming up over and over and over again, that's, don't get distracted by that, by what keeps on coming up. Just ask, Lord, are you trying to get my attention? It's often not at all related to that thing, for instance, if it's finances, and this is part of our just not to get off the track, but it's coming up so the whole conversation about tithing the real problem there's many problems, but the one of the biggest problems with tithing is that it's automatic. you do something that's supposedly a part of your relationship with God and you you set it on autopilot, you have an auto-draft with your finances. And that shortchanges God's opportunity not only to talk to you about what you're doing with your finances, but also about who you're giving it to. So if we can look at God touching circumstances through our health, our finances, and our relationships. Pretty much everything falls into those three categories. If you're pretend you know, let's say you're attending a church that you have it set up where they have an auto draft on your account and they take out X amount every, you know, week or how I don't even know how they do that these days. Or you just write them a check or, you know, whenever, whenever you go, you give them a certain amount. And you do that without asking God. Now you say, well, they need to know so they can plan for what they're going to do. Well, actually, no. What they need to know is if God is in it. God wants them to do it. Not if they want to do it, they need to know. So not They need to know if God wants to do it because if God wants to do it, he will do it in his time and in his manner. So if we start thinking about, okay, let's, let's look at, you know, a, a pastor or a minister, whoever's leading that church or that group, even a small, you know, even a non-denominational storefront church, house church, doesn't matter. House church could be just as denominational and, and religious as, you know, any mainstream denominational uh, meeting. So the size and the name on the door doesn't mean anything. But if you're looking to structure things so you have a sense of control over it, that's a bad habit that your soul has gotten into that's being now put on other people in the guise of ministry. So let's say you're, you're the head of this group whether it's a you know, mega church or just a you know, a, a community church or a little little cell group in an area. And you've got it set up. You've got everybody convinced that all you need to do, you know, part of your duty to God, part of your responsibility to him, is to give X amount to this group on a regular basis. And we, for your convenience, we're just going to set it up so it's automatic. You don't even have to think about it. Now, not only does that short change God, because he wants to talk to you about it, he doesn't want you to do things automatically, especially in those three, three areas. In your finances, he doesn't want you to do things automatically, because he, he may be trying to get your attention. In your relationships. He doesn't want you to be doing things automatically because he might be trying to get your attention. In your health, he doesn't want you to be doing things automatically. Don't be assuming other people know what's best for your health. Don't be assuming other people know what's best for your relationships. Don't be assuming other people know what's best for your finances. Go to God. These are his ways of getting your attention. And you realize it's so much better that we hear a still small voice rather than him pounding on the door. If God has to send you an angel with a telegram, it's probably because the other thousand times he's tried to get your attention, you've ignored him. It's not necessarily a good thing because this is the only way he could get through to you. So let's want and desire to be able to hear that soft knock, that still small voice, and be quick to respond. But so, so we're back to this, this group, and you've got it set up where it's automatically going, and you think this isn't that great. Everybody wins, you know. That's of course there's you know the the whole tax thing we get into, but here's the real concern. So you have somebody leading this group and the money's coming in and it's coming in regular regularly and they can plan the problem is let's say God is trying to get their attention about something by automating giving by you just giving without thinking about it God doesn't have the chance to say stop giving I don't want them to be able to plan I don't want them to be relying on you on your automatic giving and here's what happens is remember if there's only three ways to get our attention finances relationships and health if we take finances off the table God can only get through to that person in their relationships or their health we limit god when we automate how he does things how we do things it's the same way the whole concept of church you know church is wednesday night and sunday morning you know just an example but this is okay this is church time that's automating him Shouldn't be? Shouldn't it be a relational where we're always with Him? We're always aware. That's what one of the things we're always reminding ourselves that He's always. We're always in Him, and He's always with us, and He's always speaking. He may not be seeing, saying anything that we can comprehend in our soul, but our spirit is always one with Him. Our spirit, your spirit, is always enjoying what God is doing. Even when your life may feel like it's falling apart, your spirit is rejoicing. You can be right in the middle of the worst day of your life and your spirit's giving God's spirit a high five. Yes, we're right on track. This is great. Because his ways are not our ways, his goals are not our goals. Again, we, you know, what's our, We want to be in the center of God's will, so everything is hunky-dory, so everything is perfect, so we don't get caught up in conflict, so we don't, so everything goes well. You know, it is well with my soul. That has nothing to do with your circumstances. That's your relationship, your soulical relationship with your spirit. So when we're talking about our spirit receive, uh, receiving God, it's because your spirit is one with God. And these are things we can't comprehend. Some, you know, some illustrations are, you know, a drop of water in the ocean, but your spirit is still unique. And I I'd love to, you know, talk, you know, at some point in time our spirit already has the has the understanding of how this works. But we're and this is one of the reasons we're we're trying to stretch and be open to learning how our super how the solical realm works, how the supernatural realm works. There's a different language, there's different laws that are in effect in effect. Same way in the spirit. And what we have a tendency to do is we take Concepts that we have seen through a glass darkly in the supernatural, in the spiritual, and we take them and we, and we put them in natural terms. You know, a wheel within a wheel. You know, this is the way walkie in it. You know, be a light into my path. These are things that, you know, if we're in the presence of God, we'll be consumed. You know, no man can see God and live. These are concepts that we understand with a soul that has really bad habits, really bad control habits. And as we experience who God is as the way he wants to reveal himself to us, which is going to be different, each one of us is going to experience God differently by his intent. So we don't have to, we can encourage one another, but there will not be a test at the end of this because we have different experiences. We're all at different places. This is why sometimes it's fun to have these theoretical, you know, doctrinal discussions. But if this is not something God is talking to you about, it's a waste of your time and effort and energy and can sometimes cause you know, more rifts than if you just didn't care about what other people believed. This is, you know, part of our challenge in, in society is, you know, we think we need to pick our battles. And there's a whole discussion about, okay, are we in the world? Are we of the world? You know, the water and the boat, the boat and the water, all this kind of stuff. a so discussion for another day. The issue is are you focusing on what God wants you to be focusing on? Are you resting in him now resting doesn't mean being not being active and this is a big problem a lot of Christians have is as long as I'm doing this this, this, and this i'm pleasing God and this is one of their you know one of the big challenges is they follow their their leaders you know in This is a, you know, going back to what we were just talking about is, you know, we we use catchphrases and because they're in the scriptures, we figure they must be true. You know, so we talk about that our pastors are our shepherds and that they're going to be held accountable for how they teach us. So we can have faith in them because God's going to hold them accountable. But that's not true. That's just something we believe because it makes us feel better. Because then we don't have to have a personal relationship with God. Any leader, any, any one giving an example, myself for instance, I'm not a shepherd. It's another sheep. We're all just sheep. There's only one shepherd, and that's God. So it's not about trusting in a person, trusting in a, somebody who has seems to have their act together. Relying on somebody to tell you, this is the way walkie in it. This is how, you know, if you just follow these five easy steps. And part of that challenge is, how we are to, to act and be involved in the our day-to-day lives. You know, we don't, very practical things aren't even addressed. And the examples that are given are often, uh, mis- you know, not un- understandable, convoluted. And yet, Because there is this idea that somebody else is taking responsibility for my life, my walk, my relationship with God, God won't hold me responsible. Not responsible in the fact of relationship, but you not tending, you resisting God tending your soul, you continuing to live in your cell, in insisting you're going to continue to do things your way, God isn't going to give you an out. Well, that person said it was okay to continue to do this or to not do that or to not change. That doesn't hold water. You, it's you and God. And he wants to con- perfect your soul, connecting it to your spirit. So hopefully that will be encouraging, and hopefully this means something to a couple people, but really I encourage you to make your relationship with God personal. On a moment-by-moment basis, sit there, take some time, sit with God. How is what you're going through, how does that draw you to Him? Not push you, not threaten you draw you it's the goodness of god that draws you and he loves you so what he's doing in your life is for you he knows what you need far better than what you do so thanks for tuning in feel free to drop me a line questions or feedback at diane at the or through blog talk radio otherwise we'll be getting back together again the same time next week until then thanks for tuning in This has been Diane Thomas of Rainier's Radio. Have a great night.